Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hello, happy hub day. Hi, Trace. Hi. Happy hump day. Oh, and happy new year. <laughs> Happy New Year, yeah, 2024. Oh, gosh. It's like how time old. I know. Just feel old with every year. I mean, we are old. I know. Well, yeah. And each year just goes whizzing by. And each year. another thing. Yeah. Exactly. What's the big plan for this year? Big plans. (laughs) Get this program out for my business. That's a big plan. Yes. Yeah, that's Um, a good plan. A good plan, yeah. 2024 is the year. 2024 is the year to make things happen, but yeah. just continuing to enjoy my life, yeah. That's health, a good one. A renewed health. I always like recheck the health situation, as yeah. Well. <clears throat> at the start of the years, it's a good so, one, mm, yeah. I always look same. at health, health, happiness like, what are the things I'm doing that bring me joy? Can I do more. Yeah, it's kind of a check. It's always a check and balances. Let's mm. try and do it twice a year. Definitely at the start of the new year. Yeah, I'm the same with the health thing. It's a good one to just check in on at the beginning of each year, especially at our age. Mm. Things can things can slip and slide quite quick, can't they? They can. <laughs> but I have to introduce you, my yeah. new co-host for season three. Season three. Season three. <laughs> I have my lovely friend Lucille. Yeah. Lucille Smith is joining us for season three. Thank you, Lucille. Mm, yeah, no worries. Thank you for inviting me, Tracy. It's a real honor because I've been listening to your podcast, as you know, found it very interesting. There's always lots of stories that you cover. You and your hosts have been covering that, yeah, they're really interesting, things that I wouldn't normally come across. And stories that really get you kind of thinking about yeah do I really understand this topic of diversity equity and inclusion and what I can do to understand it better and therefore yeah yeah consider things a bit more carefully especially in the work environment as well yeah good Mm. yeah so I've really enjoyed listening to the podcast so thank you for inviting me to participate oh. <laughs> my pleasure I'm sure you will help me think of new ways to engage the audience and bring some great stories to the table 
Yeah, I hope so. I hope that we can have some more interesting discussions. I hope that I can bring another kind of perspective to things and have fun. Yes, it's about having fun. (laughs) This is what keeps me going. I really enjoy doing this. That totally keeps me going. So maybe just want to say how we know each other. Yeah, through work. (laughs) Well, we know each other because we both were expats that moved from the UK to Australia and then met at work when we were working for the same organization, doing the same job. It's about, mm, God, I think it's about (laughs) 16 years. It is, isn't it? Like, we could have raised a child in that time. Oh couldn't my goodness! We, if you think about it, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't. That, but we it would have been a beautiful child. Okay. It would have been beautiful. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's how we know each other, and obviously started a friendship, beautiful friendship. And yeah. actually, we still no longer lives in Australia. No, I am now in Italy, <laughs> and that's another reason why I really, you know, appreciate coming on this podcast because moving to Italy, I don't speak the language at all very well. So I'm very, I'm excluded from these kinds of current affairs type topics because mm. my language skills are just not good enough to be, you know, reading this type of content. Okay, cool. Hmm. And how long have you been in Italy now? Almost a year. Well, no. Yeah, it's been a year, actually. Oh, well, so we might Mama mia. Crazy <laughs> mom. That's the extent of my Italian. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, you're, I've heard you speak Italian. It's pretty good. Come on. Um... Better than my Italian, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Better We're getting mine. there. Mm. Mm. So we might even get some Italian content. Yeah, yeah. Actually, there was there was a a topic that I I had thought about. I'll maybe bring it another time. It was yeah. quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So one of the first stories we're going to go with today that was found actually it's found by Meal and she sent it to me. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I never thought about it. Yeah, and it's from a publication called The Swaddle, which I haven't heard of before. So it's the first time. I've seen this publication story, but it's so fascinating. So the title of the story is, we have to retire the phrase women and children in conflicts. And of course, today, unfortunately, we have quite a few conflicts in the world. And, you know, a lot of people are suffering during these conflicts. And the thing, this title, oh, why would we have to retire the phrase women and children in conflicts? Well, The phrase implies that women and children together comprise as one vulnerable group, and that undermines the agency of women and children. Now, yes, of course, children are vulnerable. Now, the story goes on to talk about, you know, the conflicts in Gaza, I guess people would describe, some people would describe what's happening as genocide, because lots of civilians are dying on both sides of the conflict so and when I read this article it's like it might it may be more skewed to one of the sides so I'm not going to read it word for word but I do agree with this whole stereotyping victims in any crisis both sides would refer to you know women and children because it reinforces the idea that these group this group is vulnerable and the the side that it's referring to is referring to the other side as being barbaric because they're, you know, taking the lives of this vulnerable group. Um, and it's not something I can understand we've inherited this this phrase 
over wars and different humanitarian crises. And, you know, well-intentioned to emphasize the vulnerability of certain groups. But let's, you know, if you think about it, it it's a bit mm. counterproductive as well in this day and age, because mm. it reduces women to victims and men yeah. to protectors mm. and perpetrators, which is, it's way more complex than that. And and to me, it would make more sense if you had to, if you had to call out a vulnerable group to say the elderly and children. Yeah, <clears throat> agree. Yeah. Rather than women and children. Yeah. When you started talking about this article, I think what you said was it was you'd not really thought about this before. And that's what I find really interesting about this topic, Mm -hmm. that even something that can be quite naive or something that you could consider to be language that is trying to do good, I guess can actually perpetuate actions and ideas that can have quite a negative effect. So I really like that this article has made me think, oh, never, I've never even thought that that is, you know, the potential harm that these types of phrasings of language that we use can actually create. And I know know language can shape culture and it can shape society and it does. But something mm. like like this seems like really, yeah, it seems like a naive phrasing, but it is interesting. Yeah. Um, and actually, as I think about it, the work I've done a lot of study around language and linguistics mm. and how it talks to the subconscious mind. Mm. And if I think about that and how powerful language is, it's very, very powerful mm. in suggestions, for example, for somebody to change their behavior. Yeah, absolutely. On their mindset. So it really does make sense that this is something that would perpetuate an idea that implies the vulnerability and helplessness of, you know, women and children. Yeah. And I know that women and children are disproportionately affected by conflicts in certain countries. Yeah. And so that statement implies that together they're a vulnerable group rather than two distinct groups, which is actually more realistic. Yeah. And as you say, like, that the use of language can really alter a person's behaviour. So categorising women as a vulnerable group does, you know, not for all, not for everybody, but it can, for some women, make them behave in that way. Yeah, like a victim. Yeah, like a victim, yeah, Mm. instead of thinking that I I can contribute to, you know, protection of others or Mm. facilitate conflict resolution or, you know, whatever it is, I don't necessarily need to be a victim. Not, you know, obviously not everybody's going to be influenced in that way by the language, but there are going to be some people that will, will accept that that is the role that's been given to them. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So is the power of language and suggestion, but also, even with the positive intent, I don't really, I don't, if you feel, think through the positive intention, hmm. what is it? Because is it, oh, you know, this vulnerable group and we should protect them. Women don't get protected. Children don't get protected in hmm. these disputes. We can see what's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. I don't see the intention of using it other than to make the other side look, look like the baddie. Right. In people's minds. Propaganda. 
Yeah, that's yeah. basically the only intention I can really understand because it doesn't protect women and children. Actually, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. It doesn't. It is just trying to influence something beyond mm. that. Yeah. The other part of the article mentioned about how it can also have a reverse effect on how men are treated as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the thing. And yeah, I said at the beginning, it makes men the perpetrators or the protectors and or the protectors, mm. which is also a little unfair. Giving right to. Dead. Yeah, giving right to men being yeah killed or harmed mm. civilian men yeah, being civilian killed and men. harmed yeah yeah which is equally as unfair and unacceptable yeah. no, as barbaric yeah as... to be able you know to use that as an excuse well you're not a woman or a child therefore you're fair game exactly yeah. exactly yeah. So there yeah. is that side as well, yeah. Yeah, and there's I, I saw there's like evidence, isn't there, to suggest that this is actually the case that there are men who are you know school teachers, doctors, you know, normal civilians going about their business that have been kind of yeah, ba- yeah, basically targeted. You know, they're not women and children, so that's that's apparently all fine. I know, and you have women suicide bombers. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm. killing mm. people, being the perpetrators. Yeah, yeah. So you have women in the army as soldiers. You know, duty is to kill the enemy, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, to <clears> defend <throat> their country. And defend their country. So really d- d- outdated. Yeah, yeah. So are they calling, you know, to stop using this language, like this terminology, or was it just more bringing it to light, the fact that it's, yeah, it's kind of, creating behaviors that we wouldn't have expected or wanted well i don't know because i what it does talk about is a conference or some sort of event by the un in october 2020 that talks about the crucial role of women in the prevention and resolution of conflicts yeah. in yeah. peace building and confidence yeah. building and the importance of the equal and meaningful participation to promote peace and security so that was recognized according to the UN but then the other the flip side is the women continue to be perceived as needing protection or the protected but you know like we were saying it just propagates an idea and that can be very very harmful in the wider world even in their everyday life where there isn't conflict yeah and yeah and we've talked about dismisses the safety and well-being of men but does it does not make sense and if you think about men, I guess maybe I think about adult men, mm. but we're yeah. younger men. Yeah. Like, you know, that are maybe mm. children, but young, young adults. Yeah. And um, think about the conflicts that, you know, in Africa where there have been child soldiers, you know, which is just barbaric. It's just awful to think of, you know, yeah. your young boy being taken away and then. Yeah. Um, made into a, a soldier but yeah it's probably kill, as kill well again killed. yeah it's kind of again coming from this idea that women and children yeah grouped in as protectors and sorry as to, to be protected and to be kept safe and therefore making young boys you know perfectly acceptable targets to be to be used in this way exactly yeah and not worth saving in yeah. a conflict yeah, that's right. 
yeah when you really dissect it and yeah you know it's just insane when you think about it it is yeah the mm. like you said the power of language we should mm. all be a lot more aware about that I guess I mean, I mean as and I think people are becoming a lot more aware about you know how powerful language can be but even in like in very surreptitious ways like this that mm. you know the terminology we have to just be more mindful yeah yeah and especially of the as the stereotype that is more far-reaching in society mm. as well mm. and that conditioning that it kind of reinforces there was one more point I wanted to bring perspective I wanted to bring because I said this to my mum I mentioned it to her <clears throat> and she she's of the opinion that in a lot of these places of conflict maybe not so much Ukraine but currently now and you know in Israel, Gaza, I guess some of the women are more vulnerable in the sense of the culture. I don't know if that's strictly true. I would say in some cultures, maybe, like Afghanistan, for example. Mm. But that was the, her perspective that, you know, women are not equally valued the same in all cultures and cultures, mm-hmm. even yeah. though we have a long way to go in all cultures, in my opinion. But mm. that was her point. Sometimes they are, mm. which I, t- I take that on board. But really, the, f- for me, elderly are vulnerable generally. Yes, yeah. And yeah, children, because yeah. they, they need looking after literally when there is, yeah. when there is no war. Yeah. Um, that kind of brings up a point as well, doesn't it, about the elderly, I think. Well, there's, I think there's a couple of really good points there that your mum makes because she's absolutely right that, you know, we're coming from a Western, Westernised perspective. You know, we're thinking about, gender equality right and if we're thinking about ourselves you know as well you know we're women we don't you know we we don't need to be protected the same as children but yeah she's absolutely right that is the case in in a lot of cultures that we're not familiar with that women that that generally not just in in times of war or conflict but are, are treated in that way yeah and that's their place in society that's been kind of predetermined for them but then the other thing is you know the fact that elderly are not being considered as vulnerable in this kind of you know that they're not be kind of being I mean they kind of are being included because obviously you get elderly women but Mm. they're not being included as a specific group is also kind of saying to me are they not considered of value enough to be protected well that's another question yeah It just, it just when you said that, I was thinking, yeah, actually it is, you know, because then you get the whole ageism thing, don't you, come in. Mm. And that's a whole other topic. Um, it is. Yeah. yeah. They don't even get mentioned, do they, really? Not really, no. Yeah, or considered. Because they, they are, in many cases, vulnerable and would need more protection and, yeah, consideration, mm. especially mm. in times of conflict. Yeah. Mm. Okay. What's mm. think about, hey? Yeah. So thank you for that one, Trace, because mm-hmm. that's definitely one that I, like I said, I hadn't thought about. And it, it, that's why I love this show, listening to your show, because you always come up with these types of topics that challenge the ideas, that, you know, how you think. Do you want to move on? Are you ready to? Yeah, yes, yeah. Because that story. one was quite first one to, you know, get my feet wet with. So I've come across an article that inspired a lady called Erin Meyer in the Harvard Business Review. And she talks about when diversity meets feedback. So I'm not going to like verbatim 
go through the article it's really long but she kind of starts off saying that in the last five years or so candid feedback has really become like a trend in the workplace and she mm-hmm. gives some example like google executives popularizing the term radical candor and encouraging that you know amongst that community mm-hmm. and that a popular motto at netflix <clears throat> is to only say about someone what you will say to their face which i I love that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, that is not just in the workplace. That That's in life. Be... That should just be a life philosophy. <laughs> yes, right? exactly. And, you know, well, I'm going to say what you know, because uh, there's also this whole social media thing. And, you know, we see it all the time, don't we, with social media, how it's, you know, if you know, typing away and, you know, if you go on Facebook and you see the comments, it just blows my mind what people would say. But they would never dare say that to somebody's face or you'd hope not. Yeah. <laughs> And then she kind of kind of goes into the fact that there's also another workplace trend, which is obviously diversity, equity and inclusion. That's like a whole organizational cultural shift that's been happening at the same time as this whole, you know, giving feedback thing mm-hmm. and trend. So her article is about when the two kind of meet each other in the workplace and how do we deal with that? And she, you know, says that it actually can lead to more conflict and feelings of hostility in the workplace because Mm. of the diversity or, you know, all kinds of diversity within the workplace that we're now seeing. And that we, you know, we need to be more careful and mindful of that when we are giving feedback. Mm. So, yeah, it's great to have radical candor and all of that kind of thing, but it doesn't necessarily work in certain cultures yeah yes in the diverse you know community at work that we now have so she gives some little anecdotes just to kind of contextualize what we're talking about here that in America that you might have to edit this but I'm saying you know you know how they give the whole they call it the shit sandwich you know oh no I have to do that yeah I I like uh, you know and they have a version of the shit sandwich I say you always start positive because that's the first thing yeah, people here going to remember yeah but also if you start with the negative the, they're automatically stuck there yes because you so true and they're not really hearing what everything else you've said because you just said something really negative and that's going already yes, yes. so you should always start with positive and mm. always give double the positive to the negative right um, yeah because then you know so if yeah. you do have feedback that's constructive and it needs to be constructive you know yeah this is yep. what you do and this is what how you could do it differently mm. potentially and yep. the benefit why 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 but positives first yes absolutely so that is a typical american practice so mm. you know i don't know whether they teach that in universities or not whatever no. but it's it's, business, it's, it's like how it's just course. you know the culture is right so they would give their feedback in that way and they would understand i guess that okay there's some you know something there that I need to work on I did good at this I did good at that but this is what I need to work on and but interestingly enough that same kind of methodology if you were to use that and give give that feedback in that way to somebody from Thailand the recipient would find that hostile because that's just way too direct even, you know, the shit sandwich is way too direct. Same with Japan. For that culture. Yes, exactly. A lot of the Asian cultures would be like that. But then if you gave that exact same feedback to a Ukrainian person, it would be just the message would get lost, you know, because they'd be like, what are you actually trying to say? They just want you to 
punch them in the face with the negative feedback so they know where they stand. Mm. So I guess that's what she was kind of saying that this whole like that's cultural diversity that she's like specifically highlighting there. Yeah. And how that can yeah, we we really need to consider who we are conversing with and then find some kind of compromise as to how we're going to match match that cultural expectation of how you know the conversation or the language that we're using yeah Um, does that not take you back to when we used to work together and that's my question yeah because we used to work in a global company yes and us specifically worked with different countries directly so we worked with china we worked with japan we worked with korea worked with thai Thai yeah yeah all of it all of it turkey America, France. Yeah, South America, everything. Yeah. Everything. So we've worked with people and we we see it play out. Hmm. See the conflicts and the maybe more tension. Tension. And judgments. Yes. As well. Because, and I'll be honest, I've been part of the judgment. I'll be, I'll put my hands up because I Mm. didn't understand. Yeah. I did, because my personal thing is just give it me straight. But, you know, I've learned, I've learned to do better now. Do better since. But, you know, you've got the criticism where in some of the Asian cultures, they don't say very much and they're, and they're very, they're more uh, indirect mm. in how they communicate. Yeah. And certain, if you're just going to be outright no, or then that's going to be quite offensive. And they also how they take it. It's not just mm. being offended. It's being, it's more serious in some cultures, especially Japanese, yes. like how almost like their honor. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's... Yeah, that is exactly it. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> something, you know, that, that was going to be my question, Trace. Can you think back of, you know, the environment that we used to work with and all the different cultures and and I'm the same. I just want to know, just just tell me, just tell me, you know, what is is I need, you know, I need to do better. I need to get done because mm-hmm. I just want to do my job and I want to do it well. Mm-hmm. And I think probably most people at work, want to do that as well right Mm -hmm. you want to contribute in a positive way at work but culturally (laughs) how that is done and how you receive that feedback can be quite variable I was trying to think of like feedback examples but I think more for me it was more the day-to-day actually rather than I need to give somebody feedback it was more even just the, the working kind of how we would all kind of get to the end goal together Mm. but with some cultures it would you know it'd be a lot more open as to how that was happening and with other cultures it would be happening but you would have no idea what was happening behind the scenes so there was always you know like you said a bit of tension it's like oh I just really wish that you know xyz would explain it's actually happening yeah. but it, instead it, you know maybe if if something wasn't quite going to plan mm. then you just wouldn't get any it would just go very silent I, I remember somebody that gave me feedback and it was often I felt like they were going around I, I got yeah. to know them in the end I got to know them well enough to know what was happening mm. and recognize the pattern but to begin with I was just like oh is they're trying to tell me something and not because yeah. they weren't quite telling me they were kind of going around and telling a bit of a story and and it's just something that I need to take away from this I wasn't sure and it was it was constantly oh. like that until I, there yeah. there was feedback here yeah but it was kind of contained in this diplomatic dance yeah and for a long time I had no idea it would be more that I was repeating whatever it was that then they would eventually 
Yes. It's almost like you've got to help that type of person along, isn't it? you got to kind of, so you're trying to say what exactly? (laughs) Yeah. I guess it's not, I mean, it's not straightforward because I know as we say it's cultural and Mm. if you're stereotyping and generalizing, absolutely. But you do come across the odd person in that culture who is completely different. Yes, of course, there's individualism as well, yeah, that yeah. individual personalities. Yeah. yeah, individual personalities. So you really mm. just need to get, if I was giving advice, so you really need to get to know the individuals you're working with and try different ways to give feedback yeah. and see what works best because works. at the end of the day, everyone's individually. You can take these cultural, knowledge of these cultural differences mm. to understand that you need different approaches, but yeah, I remember giving feedback once. This is where I did it really badly wrong. I want to hear this story. <laughs> it's so wrong. I love, I love these stuff ups and I love it so, that you're so honest about them. Go on. So this person had basically overworked an activity and they were doing like, you know, the working late and it was for like, we, you know, we have audits, right? It's for an audit. Mm. And, and I mean, to the 11, they were like to the, you know, the 11th hour. And after the audit, I went to give them feedback because it was unnecessary. But I went straight in with what they shouldn't have done. That was my first thing. I actually, no, I went in with, I, re- I need to talk to you. Can I talk to you about this? What, you know, what's happened? And, you know, sit down and in a quiet place, they're looking at me. And I'm like, right, so this has happened. You know, we've had this. And you really didn't need to do this, 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 and this. Um. I was like, you know, it's, it's, I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was kind of, they weren't, it was important. Like they were doing things like creating file notes for things to say that was there. So that wasn't as important as making everything else being there. You didn't need to do all that extra work. Mm. Anyway, they thought I was like pissed off with them. They thought, they thought I wanted them gone. (laughs) It all came out later. Oh, but this is when I didn't do do feedback well. I probably did feedback how I'd want how I'd be happy. Yeah, to how you it. would receive it. Yeah, and that's probably how we, that's probably how we all do it. Actually, you mm. know, it's probably how we all do it. Yeah, probably. And then the other time, I wanted to ask somebody something, and this these are things I just didn't know. And I took them into a quiet room and I said, "Oh, I need to talk to you." And I was stood up, and they were sat down. I can't even remember what it was. It wasn't actually. It wasn't anything negative. Mm. but I know that afterwards they felt really like I was going to say something terrible and I was angry because I was stood over them as well oh right the body language (laughs) the body language is something else you need to think about superwoman's dance (laughs) yeah body language is something else you need to think about when you're giving (laughs) feedback (laughs) but yeah they were the two that stick out in my head as me not doing such a great job oh too funny Mm. yeah no it's actually it is a tricky thing, um, but so uh, yes, it's, it's not just the cultural diversity. There's obviously like there's a whole gender diversity, and then there's like in the workplace as well. You get the general like generational diversity as well, and you know all of that going on. Mm. But I think what I was going to say, I had a look at the article to see, you know, is there any advice as to how we actually do this? And like you said, yeah, think about the person that you're actually going to give it to. But there's like a little rule that she said is something we can use. We've got the three A's of feedback. So the first is, the first A is that the feedback must be intended to assist. And this is maybe 
where sometimes people feel like there is another motive at play you know like what you just think <laughs> you just gave like somebody feels like you want them gone that's not what you know that's not what I want no I, I want to assist right so I suppose if you can communicate that in a way it's meant to, to help then that's yeah. that's probably a good start <laughs> Tracy yeah the, se- <laughs> the second is that it must be another a second a is for actionable which that sounds like the example you gave before about where somebody was going round and round and round, like you just didn't have a clue what was, is what, you know, because, you know, if you have actionable feedback, then it's quite clear as to what it is that's needing to get done to make an improvement or, you know, to do something in a different way or to get a better outcome. And then the third A is to ask if that person even wants the feedback because unsolicited Mm -hmm. feedback, can also cause problems because it's like, I feel like I'm doing really well. And then you're coming along and you just, yeah, you know, stuck a great big you know, downer yeah. in my up upper. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so those are the three A's that we can in, well, mm-hmm. particularly in the workplace environment, just consider how we can give feedback and get a better because that's I mean most of the time obviously there's there's some people that you know want to give feedback because it makes them feel good that they're more superior or whatever Mm -hmm. but you know I like to think that most people are giving feedback because they actually want a better outcome for that person and for the team and for whatever you know project you might be working on yeah absolutely (laughs) I got actionable and asked what was the first one uh Assist. Assist. So the intention must be good to start, you know. Yeah. If you if you haven't got a good intention, then keep your mouth shut. Yeah. I think the, <laughs> you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But I think ask is very good. May may I give you some feedback as the first thing you'll ever say. Yeah. Um, but you obviously have to thought through mm. how to deliver that type of feedback to this type of this particular individual. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, there's also like responsibility to be put on the person that's receiving the feedback as well. Like we can't all be emos about everything, can we? You know, especially in the workplace, at the end of the day, we've got to consider that it's not just about us. It's about a team or a company or organization or like I said, a project that you might be working on. You want the best outcome for that. So, you know, I can... I can say personally that there are things that I would accept in a workplace environment that I personally would feel a bit kind of feel a bit kind of sore over that. Like what? But, well, I guess you know, like when we're talking about the the feedback that in a workplace environment, I just have a different perspective. It's just like, like I said, it's not about me. It's about I want to do a good job mm. and I want to have a good outcome. Mm. Yeah, I want to do the best mm. that I can, and you want to do that in your own personal life as well. But I think. Sometimes when you're receiving personal feedback, it can be a bit more. Oh, that's different. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can feel a bit kind of, oh. <laughs> yeah. you know, about it. Yeah. Yeah. I would not. Mm. Like, I don't like that topic. It doesn't, doesn't go with you. Doesn't matter you know, doesn't do you any favours. Yes. Something like that. That kind of thing. Yes. Something that you might really love. And then. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think I think on feedback you have to I mean it took me a long time to get to get to this point when you're receiving feedback to just take it and not 
and not say anything. And actually, I learned that in a recent training. They were sick of us feedback on our presentation. I was doing a speaker's course. Mm. And we weren't allowed to. We were told at the beginning, you'll get feedback. It's part of the marking. Yes. This is how we give feedback. And you just take the feedback. And some people's default was to start defending themselves. Why mm. they did certain things. Yeah. And that's something to look for. Oh, anytime you get feedback, just take it. You don't have to do anything with it. It's a choice, right? Yeah. So take it. Because sometimes I've had feedback. Honestly, I'd say 90% of the time the feedback's warranted. But 10% of the time, sometimes that's somebody's personal perspective. Sometimes there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah, of course. You know, sometimes people have different styles that still get the outcome. So sometimes I don't always take the feedback. I'll I'll listen to it. Yeah. I'll consider it. I will always consider it because for the same reason you do, I want to do the best job I can. Yeah. So I'll take it and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll ask myself the question, if I do like do this, is that going to get me a better outcome? And if I think it will, I will. Mm. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. If it's something I'm experienced with, yes. But it just depends what it is. You know, it might be something I have no idea about. Well, I'm going to think, well, I have no idea about it. They do. So mm. it really just depends what it's about. Yeah. We do have this natural tendency to want to try and defend ourselves or explain and you know like you were saying there's a number of reasons why you want to want to explain yourself and another thing is as well is that sometimes when you're working on something you might have tried this and that and the other and then finally you go okay this this has worked and then you get feedback about why didn't you do this and I'm like, mm, I did <laughs> <Don't work. laughs> so there's also you know you've kind of gone through it you've done the thing so mm-hmm. you automatically want to kind of go well you know and explain how you got to to where you did and why yeah. you did it that way mm. yeah. But yeah so I yeah I mean the article like I said the article is really long I recommend people take a look at it it also goes into you know the whole gender diversity and mansplaining you know and that whole kind of you know situation where as women you know coming from a patriarchal society we often get that kind of mansplaining when we didn't we don't need done this before you'll have to explain to me the mansplaining idea the mansplaining is when you get a situation where a man is explaining something typically to a woman if we're talking about gender diversity here and the woman knows more about it than a man Uh, the woman you know is perfectly you know capable of doing or has done it you know it's not new but I suppose sometimes with the mansplaining, it, it can be quite, yeah, patronising. I guess in, yeah, would be the word. Mm. But there's also another terminology similar to the mansplaining, which is manvising. Manvising. So this is where a man's giving advice, unsolicited advice, to a woman. So, but yeah, the mansplaining is the typical kind of terminology that is used. Mm. And in the article, the lady actually says, the writer actually says that one research project showed that men are five times, five times, Tracy, more likely to give unrequested advice to women as women are to give it to men. Mm. And this can cause the, that tension that we yeah. talked about. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah. you know. Because it implies like, that you couldn't do, couldn't come to that conclusion or yeah. didn't know that information or whatever mm. yourself. And yeah. that is, that's that plays out outside of work anyway yes of um, course yeah yeah a lot definitely. yes a lot. yes 
<laughs> and I think it's to be fair to men, I think it's this idea that they're supposed to fix be the problem yeah. solver and Absolutely. fix everything. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. Yeah. But it's disempowering. And I and I've really taken that on board myself because my automatic way to develop people mm. was to tell them what I think they should do. Mm. And and that's the way I was for a lot of the years until I realized, and this is really not easy for me to do, to shut the F up. Mm. basically <laughs> really not easy I have, I have not experienced that myself Tracy do you actually you're saying you do it no what I mean is I make sure that they have really thought about it and explained what they where they might find out the information how they might go about it yeah. sometimes people <clears throat> want you to just tell them fair enough yeah but if they haven't asked me Mm. I'm gonna I want to know if they can figure it out because yeah. that's way more empowering than me just telling them what to do yeah and they might find a better way anyway yeah well that's coaching versus mentoring isn't it yeah, yeah and sorry, now yeah. you know mentoring used to be the thing and now it's coaching and that's great because it does empower people and you get much better results in the longer run you know it might yeah. take a little bit longer to get yeah to get you know get the outcome but in the longer run mm. it's a much more positive style of managing people and leading people yeah but yeah what you said there before is actually I totally agree it's a society thing right going back to what I said the patriarchal patriarchal society is what we have that's the construct that you know we have become accustomed to so it's not like men do this it's that that's what the expectation has been set you know I was even thinking when I was like little girl it was you know ask your dad if you know if you didn't know anything you know what's the hieroglyphic dad you know it it, it was always ask your dad and your dad was supposed to know the answer to everything Mm. and that's the expectation that have been put on dads men you know yeah Yeah. And, and, and women yeah, well. yeah, and women to put them in that position. <laughs> yeah, I know, and it's not it's not very fair. And I mean, there's a lot of women that do it as well. And I'm just yeah. just more conscious of. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just more conscious of allowing anybody to, you know, they might already know the answers. I don't need to say, oh, did you do this? Did you do this? They probably chances are they already have. Mm-hmm. Kind of like waiting. What did you do? What have you tried? That's the best mm-hmm. question. Moving on. Okay. Today. So this story, I don't know if I find it funny or not, slightly, but not really. It's quite serious because it talks about this place before. So it's the independent, the UK edition. And the headline is lack of Afro-Caribbean hairdressers puts black students off applying to Cambridge. Mm. Mm. And I was like, oh, really? If you have Afro hair, the expertise is needed. Things that are really basic and simple become quite a big challenge. And it's true. And there's, and then the story is around a shortage of Afro-Caribbean hairdressers in Cambridge. And it just been apparently deterring black would be students from applying to study there. And they know this because they did research out of all students that I guess from London in particular, why, you know, they weren't applying to go because I guess they're trying to change the fact that they have very few black students. I think you pulled up a stat. stat. No. Yeah, no black students, yeah, between 2012 or, and 2016, or yeah. as few as, as one few a year. As one a year. Yeah. They'd accepted as few as one a year between 2012 and 2016, according to figures released last year. Which is staggering. Given yeah. that 
we have that's not the percentage of black people in the country do you know what i mean mm. so that's quite bad it's saying that it was an unexpected finding so they did a survey and there's two arguments there's actually two people kind of arguing different things in this story and i agree with both of them funnily enough but anyway cambridge undergraduates and sixth form students were interviewed for the research as the university prepares a campaign to encourage black students to apply and he says they've been doing detailed research for black students particularly in london looking at obstacles to applying and number three on the list was hairdressers number three (laughs) i'd I'd like to know what number one and two are but he didn't say really being able to engage with the perception enables us to how are we going to respond to that well yeah that's a tricky one and there's somebody that targets Somebody here that helps Oxbridge, that's what they call Oxford Cambridge, Mm. trying to get the influx. She helps applications. So the hairdresser question comes up quite frequently. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. And if you're a majority group, you assume you don't even think about it. You don't even think about it because you assume you'll be catered for. It's not even a thought in your head. Mm. But if you have Afro hair, you need expertise. You You really can't just go to regular hairdressers, try it. And actually, I used to live in Cambridge. I lived in Cambridge for three years. Mm. And I would only go to the hairdressers when I came back. Manchester. Up that way, yeah. Mm. I'd literally go home for a weekend, so I'd go to Manchester and get my hair done. Mm. So I, I used to go to Manchester to get my hair, med- my hair done. Oh, they do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So the, the higher education regularly wants the university to admit more students from ethnic minorities. But yeah, it's pretty grim. I didn't realize the stats were that bad. Yeah. And we were like just talking, like, well, why? Why? I mean, oh, and so the other, sorry, I mentioned the other point of view. Yeah, the so other. So the other point of view was it's called Dr. Tony Sewell, Chief Executive Generating Genius, a charity that encourages, encourages youngsters from underrepresented backgrounds to pursue science, technology, engineering, and maths. Mm-hmm. He was saying it's it may be another lame excuse. Kids need to get more resilient and get with it. He says, as a minority, you will have to be confronting a situation where you're the only one. You have to face that and learn how to adapt to that. That's the key issue. Mm. That's what this man has to say. And I don't fully agree with him, but I partially agree with him. Yes, you have to be flexible. Otherwise, Mm. you wouldn't You'd exclude yourself from everything. Everything, yeah. Uh, So he's right. But at the same time, you need to start catering for minority groups. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to, if the situation is that you need to, you know, step up and, you know, yeah, like he's saying, you know, you've got to be more resilient in these types of situations. That's, you know, minority group. That's what you're going to have to expect to be confronted with. Absolutely. But if I can apply to another university that's going to make my life more comfortable, then why shouldn't I? Right. Exactly. Yeah. But why would I actually want to be the the one black person that gets into to Cambridge? I mean, if you have if you have a situation that you have to deal with, then you'll deal with it. You'd hope so. But mm. if you can find another alternative, then that you feel is just as good, then I'm assuming that's what these black stu- potential students are doing, and they're just going elsewhere where they where they feel like they're going to be more comfortable yeah. and the the whole hair topic might sound really vain mm. but I mean you can't tell I've got my hair up and everything but when I was younger 
my hair was, I mean, I don't have, I'm, I'm biracial and I don't have typical Afro hair, but my hair was, you know, almost Afro, <laughs> especially, you know, during my teenage years. And I would feel like an outside, you know, I had friends with, you know, what back then I would consider, you know, gorgeous, perfect hair and they didn't have any, you know, and we'd have sleepovers and I would always be really embarrassed of my unruly kind of mess. It was just a mess. Mm. And it, it was like that because we, I grew up where I was pretty much the only, you know, black or biracial person that I knew mm. apart from my mom. Yeah. And we didn't live in an environment where I was capered, catered for to manage my hair. Yeah. So I can absolutely understand how important it is. It's not vanity. No. It, it's just it's just this horrible, especially like when you're a you know, teenager, it's just a horrible feeling of not fitting in and looking like other people. Mm. And yeah, these embarrassing situations like having sleepovers and things. I would just constantly just plait my hair. You know, it was just nothing else that I could do with it. Yeah. I'm just trying yeah. to think what it was like when I went to uni, actually, because I went to Newcastle and I think I don't remember going to the hairdresser there either. I think, again, yeah. I came home. Yeah. There was more black people, I'll be honest, at Newcastle mm. University, but I went, I still went home because you had your hairdresser. You had your hairdresser, exactly. Who was Afro yeah. specialised. Yeah. But also when you think about people that go to university, it's the first time they're leaving home. Mm. that you know away from out of the comfort zone for some of them looking after themselves for the first time and that's all can be quite a, ta- a challenge mm-hmm. to learn how you know you've got the cup yeah there's yourself. enough to deal with yeah it's got yeah. enough to deal with without, without mm. where am I going to get my hair done I think it's a less issue for guys maybe yeah maybe yeah yeah but for women especially yeah braids and, and- I remember being almost embarrassed when I'd go to, you know, like a a, a white hairdresser. Yeah. I'd be embarrassed because I kind of did, you know, my hair just wasn't the same as what else they were dealing with. Mm. And I'd always yeah, be disappointed, you know, walking yeah. out and think, mm, just, just look the same as when I went in. <laughs> yeah. I was em- embarrassed, but also sometimes afraid. Mm. Like they were going to really do something horrendous. Yeah. And, off, and the other one's never good. Yeah. Um, but if you were desperate. Yeah. Yeah. De- yeah. Sometimes you get desperate. Bit. Yeah. For mm. sure. And, you know, it wasn't until because I actually started straightening my hair, you know, it's chemical straightening yeah, same, in yeah. Manchester. <laughs> I'd go get it done. Mm. And it wasn't until I was starting to do that that I started to get confidence about, you know, how my hair looked. Uh, before that, it was just like slap it back flat you know mm. you know because it was yeah quite unruly but that's you know it probably I, I had made it unruly because not knowing how to to deal with it yeah, yeah. not knowing how Same. to manage it and not having like a yeah a, a, a hairdresser that could specialize mm. in my kind of yeah curly afro type hair yeah yeah I would have ruined my hair with all the uh, chemicals chemicals yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was really the way to manage and make it yeah. more easier. Yeah, yeah. Well. and to kind of feel like you fitted in, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, because when I had my hair straightened, I, I developed like you kind of get a bit more confident, mm. and mm. you know, you feel like you fit in. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've talked, I've talked, I've talked about this before. I know what my natural hair looked like for most of my adult <laughs> life. Because well, just... nobody did, Tracy. <laughs> nobody did, yeah. Nobody did. Because I straightened it for years to fit in. And, mm-hmm. and the, but a lot for me personally, it was a bit deeper than that. Not so deeper. That's not, I'm not saying, not to say that's not deep, but I mean yeah. a bit more darker mm. um, of what was beautiful and what oh, wasn't. Right. Oh, so for okay. me, yeah. Me personally, I had that perception that it wasn't beautiful to have. Yeah. Afro hair. Yeah. And now it's just, you know, everybody wants it. <laughs> Well, everyone, wants to, everyone wants to touch it. Well, I will have to touch it, that's for sure. But you know what's funny? We talked about Cambridge. We did a story about Cambridge, season two, episode 15. Mm. And it was about Cambridge University's canteen mm. trying, attempting to be more diverse and creating different dishes from around the world. It was quite funny because... Did they do fried chicken? <laughs> it was funny because the students that were... But it was like Asia and, you know... Mm. And the students were complaining that this was not their food. And right. that it was, and yeah. they were putting it on the menu. It as, had been bastardized. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they were putting it on the menu and it was just not their food. So they were, they were complaining. There was a lot of complaints. I think it was on the, the university. <laughs> I can only media. imagine what it was like. It was quite funny. Um, and then what did we say about that? We just said, well, this should have just a bit more transparent and said they were, uh, you know, the intention was to try. Yeah. So they should have just said, Indian like or its style as opposed yeah. to if you're going to be yeah. literal take mm, it literally yeah but yeah yeah <laughs> no but that is good that they're trying I mean there mm. should, should be I mean the UK is such a diverse culture anyway it's that you think about di- UK cuisine anyway they surprising that they had to think about adopting you know that because or that they got it so wrong they got it so wrong yeah <laughs> yeah mm. It's yeah, funny, definitely. just going back to the hair thing, and, like, I was always trying to control my hair, you know, the straightening and, uh, and all that. It's really funny because, you know, my husband, he loves it when my hair is wild. You know, he'll actually try and make it even wilder. He thinks it's brilliant. Mm. And then equally so, my mum's partner, just the other day, he was saying how much he loves it when my mum's hair is all wild. And isn't that funny that, you know, we want we want to aim for this one thing where actually the perception from other points of view is something completely different. You know, I constantly, whereas Justin's like, you know. Yeah. I know. I know. That's made me big. I know. It's crazy, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah, it took me a long time to just, and it sounds cheesy, but accept myself Mm. as I am. And, mm. and not just accept it, love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, just be comfortable and mm. because yeah. I had to grow it out, grow out the straightening as well. Mm. That was like a transitioning that was really yes. tricky. Yeah, yeah. My hair just looked weird for a while, but yeah, it's done. Mm. Loving it. Won't we'll never straighten it again. Won't you? <laughs> no, not chemically anyway. No. Yeah, no, no, no. I haven't no. done that for many, many years. <clears throat> well, then, because the you know, the GHD came out, didn't it? Solved, solved. Oh, it didn't solve so my problem. Problems. I still had to get it chemically straightened and use GHD. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, all good. All good. So, yeah. I was just wondering, my God, what would you do? I didn't think of one. 
Um, uh, I have one if you want to do it, if we can try yeah. it. It's going back to the whole feedback mm. meets diversity thing. Mm. And it's the generational diversity example that kind of came up in the article. Yeah. It's talking about Zoomers, which you know, the groups of individuals in their teens to mid-20s now, are being the first generation to grow up, being surrounded by social media and therefore getting in this constant feedback loop, right. you know, where you'd comment and somebody would, you know, it's this whole thing. So they're saying that Zoomers are actually a lot more adept at giving and receiving feedback than olders, older ones. And yeah, a lot more in real time. They, they're not prepared to kind of wait weeks before they give that feedback. It kind of happens, you know, in real time. Mm. So the example was, well, or my, what would you do? Mm. What would you do? If a 22-year-old fresh out of uni with little, no work experience in our field, let's say, mm. came up to you unsolicited and gave you candid feedback about how you could improve your work, Tracy. And let's say the feedback was a little bit harsh because, you know, it's coming from a Zoomer and they don't necessarily hold back as much as what we might do. Well, if I'm being honest, and I am, at first, my ego would be like, who the F think you are? <laughs> Let's be honest, that would be my first Go on, have thought. a go if you think you're hard enough. Yes. Yeah, like That would be my first thing. Ones. Like, who are you to tell me how to do my job? That would be my instant reaction. But I same. would not say it. I would be thinking it. Hold it back. Yeah, same. same. And, and then, probably later, I would think about it. Mm. Like, is it actually... A good feedback just in a different way and I might even give them feedback about how they give me the feedback yeah good but only after I considered it whether I thought it was valuable or not I probably if I thought it was harsh I'd give them feedback this is how I like to receive feedback I say I'm mm. sure you've got valuable contributions to make you know you're mm. in, you've learned different things because I don't I don't like to think that just because you're younger doesn't mean that you don't know something that I don't yeah. but if I just received it as harsh or you mm. know candid and it didn't groove with me Mm. give feedback out give them feedback and then I would say that you know I took that on board or whatever and explain why I would adopt it or why I wouldn't I don't yeah know yeah what I would do later but my honestly I would be thinking who do you think you are <laughs> yeah and I love I love that you're honest about that because that that is probably how I would feel as well like shut up go back to your toys that's how I'd be thinking but yeah but the the interesting thing in the article, so the the guy that had, you know had experienced this situation is a lot older, um, was I think he was a, a journalist. Yes, he was a journalist, and he'd written an article. And this young Zoomer had come up and said, "Hey, I think your article would be a lot better if you personalised it a bit, you know, and then I'd be I'd be able to relate to your article a bit better." But you know, that was kind of along the lines of what he was saying. But I think he was a lot more candid about it. Mm. And the guy in yeah in the article had felt the same way. You know, had really taken a front to this feedback from a you know young whippersnapper. What does he know? But mm. then did what you did, Tracy thought about it went home and was like oh actually yeah like thinking about my the way my writing style is now it is very impersonal and this topic was something that could lend itself to some personal experience and personalizing it more so he'd done the same gone away thought about it and thought yeah actually if it had come from anybody else he would have thought that's 
good insight mm. but had yeah taken on you know the issue was actually the the generational you yeah. know difference yeah and it this is actually called it's called status incongruence which basically means that the status accorded your role in society doesn't match the part you're playing in the current context so you know in society we taught to respect your elders you know all this type of thing and, you know, whereas in a workplace it's more of a level playing field isn't it it's about what you can contribute and if you're contributing in a positive way that's going to have a positive impact then bring it on mm. so yeah yeah, yeah uh, I, I like that example because I'm mindful again I don't know if it's because I'm older I, I guess it is Mm. that I don't necessarily know everything mm. and younger people don't necessarily know nothing yes so yeah yeah I'm, I'm I'm open to listening and I guess for me it depends how they do it yeah it goes back to the three A's doesn't the it three A's <laughs> so, yeah yeah, yeah that's very good, good. Mm. thanks thank you yeah thank you. no thank you Tracy mm. all right it's a, a wrap time. it's a wrap well Fantastic. done congratulations you. on your first episode <laughs> thank you that was a lot of fun had a yeah. good time cool yeah oh, really nice to chat to you as always well you've been doing a lot more mm. <laughs> yeah right. until I see you the next time yes next time bye Trace see bye. you bye thank you so much for tuning in we hope you have as much fun with us today as we did If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down Sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya.